Good morning. <clears throat> Let's turn, please, to um, Psalm 19. We'll come to this psalm in, in just a minute or two. <clears throat> it began like any ordinary day. But this would be no ordinary day. David was watching the sheep in the meadow. He had risen early as he did each day to take care of the lambs. The sheep were already feeding by the still waters. David had taken care of the weak. He had bound up any broken bones. He had applied oil to the head of the lambs. And he made sure that all of his flock was healthy and was well. And as the sheep were resting, having enjoyed the meadow grasses, David pulled out his lyre, or it's like a miniature harp, and he began to play a tune and began to sing praises to God. It was just like any ordinary day. But it would be a day that would change everything. We learned last week that David was probably born during the same year that Saul first disobeyed the Lord. And through Samuel, the Lord told Saul that his kingdom would be taken away from him and would be given to another who had a heart after God's own heart. It appears that David knew the Lord and he walked with the Lord from a very early age. And uh, during his free time, we talked about free time last week, during his free time, he learned to play musical instruments and he learned to compose music and uh, compose the, the, not only the, the um, melodies but also the lyrics as well. And during his free time, he would, <clears throat> when the sheep were settled, he would compose many of the psalms that we have in the Bible today. And so thousands of years later, we are now still enjoying the, the psalms that uh, he wrote in those days. From those psalms, we see that David grew in character. Now, last week we noted that <clears throat> we grow in character in a number of ways. Uh, one of the big character developers in our life uh, comes from our own family. God has placed us in a unique family um, with a particular mother, father, brothers, sisters, if we have them, and particular circumstances, and he has placed us there because that's where he wants us to grow in character. And we grow, and our character is developed in part through our family. Uh, we also mentioned that our character is developed <clears throat> in part by our occupation, whether it is school or it is work, or it is housework, uh, our career. And a lot of character development is formed that way. But I think the greatest character development comes from our relationship with God. You become like who or what you worship. You become like who or what you worship. <clears throat> now, David knew that. In Psalm 115... He writes a psalm about idols, and he talks about the folly of those who worship idols, who make carved images 
and they bow down before them. And he says, those who make them are like them. So is everyone who trusts in them. David had a lot of time on his hand when he was out in the uh, fields with his sheep. And he enjoyed creation. We, we can tell that from many of the Psalms. And he enjoyed the intricacies of God's handiwork as he looked all around him. And he spent a lot of a, a, a time observing God's creation. And like Paul, he knew that through creation, God's invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead. Now, just, like, just as a fine piece of furniture tells us that there is a skilled maker of that furniture, a skilled craftsman, so creation tells us that there is a skilled craftsman behind it, uh, a maker uh, who is God himself. One day, David wrote this psalm, Psalm 19. Let's take a look at it for just a moment. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament shows his handiwork. Day unto day utters speech, and night unto night reveals knowledge and so you can see david out in the field with his sheep and he observes creation throughout the day and he lays under the stars at night many of you have been in places where you've been away from all the city lights and you've been away in complete darkness out in a field and you've been able to look up into the sky i know eric and sandra have up at the uh, uh the ranch if you will call it that and some of you see it to a certain degree in yosemite if there isn't too much smoke um but it's, it's a wonderful sight. We used to go to an island called Anvil Island, and it's in the middle of nowhere, and there's complete darkness all around you, and you see a vast array of stars in the sky. And as, as David would lay there in the open field at night, and he would look up into the stars near that little town of Bethlehem, he grew in spiritual character because he believed in God. And he said, look, as I observe these things, there has to be a creator. There has to be a God who made these things. There has to be a design. He believed that design demands a designer, that something made demands a maker, and that all of creation demands an intelligent um, architect and maker. David would have witnessed out there in the fields the uh, seasons. He would have seen the clouds forming on the horizon, and, and he could have heard the, the thunder claps and seen the lightning flashes in the sky. He must have thought of God's power when he saw that. Uh, I remember years ago, I, I traveled to Chicago, and I had never seen sheet lightning before. How, how many of you have seen sheet lightning? It is the weirdest thing. I've never seen it before in my life. told me something about the power of God. He must have thought of God's order when he witnessed the four seasons repeat themselves year after year, when he saw the stars in, all, in their proper place each night he must have praised him for the rain that fell to the ground and watered uh the the ground and the streams would form and would would uh, be sufficient to uh give drink to his sheep he must have wondered about the way god provided for every living thing david continues in the psalm there is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard their line has gone out through all the earth and their words to the end of the world. Creation is a universal language. It speaks to the highest intellect studying the universe, to the lowliest 
tribal man or woman in Papua New Guinea. Creation speaks about God and about who he is. Creation points to the power of God. It points to his greatness, his order, and his care. Recently, I asked a very unsaved man um, about uh, creation. I was telling him that creation tells us. Uh, he, he was questioning whether there is a God. And I said to him, I want you to read Romans chapter 1. I want you to read Romans chapter 2. And we've been going through the book of Romans uh, uh, slowly. And I said, I said, read it, and then you come and tell me what Romans tells you about God. So I saw him uh, several days later, and I said, what did you learn? He says, well, creation tells me about the love of God. I said, what? I had never heard that before. <clears throat> I expected him to say the power of God, the order, God's order, his, his, uh, his hand in all of creation. He says, the love of God. I said, Really? I said, how does it show to you the love of God? And he said to me, because God has placed everything we need within easy grasp. And he says, that tells me that he must be a God of love. I said, wow, you could become a theologian. <laughs> God has provided us food and every good thing. And David would agree with that. God is good. God is kind. He is a God of love. David writes in Psalm 145, verses 15 through 17, The eyes of all look expectantly to you. You give them their food in due season. You open your hand and satisfy the desire of every living thing. David learned these things out in the fields with his sheep. So David is singing his heart out as he's watching his sheep that day. The tunes and the words are praises to God. What a healthy enjoyment he had of music. It was a day like any other day, but it would be no ordinary day. The sheep began to stir. The baaing, if, you want, if that's such a word, baaing, the bleeding of the sheep began to drown out David's song. And soon a breathless messenger disturbed the pastoral scene. The courier brought news that David was needed immediately back home. What was the trouble? What was the matter? Was his father okay? Was everything well? Why the hurry? And the messenger told David that the prophet Samuel had arrived with an offering. Uh, he was going to uh, offer a sacrifice. Well, let's let the scripture speak for itself. Let's turn to 1 Samuel 16. 1 Samuel chapter 16. Now the Lord said to Sam, verse 1 Now the Lord said to Samuel How long will you mourn for Saul seeing I have rejected him from reigning over Israel Fill your horn with oil and go I am sending you to Jesse the Bethlehemite for I have provided myself a king among his sons And Samuel said How can I go if Saul hears it he will kill me and the Lord said, take a heifer with you and say, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Then invite Jesse to the sacrifice and I will show you what you shall do. You shall anoint for me the one I named to you. So Samuel did what the Lord said and went to Bethlehem. And the elders of the town trembled at his coming and said, do you come peaceably? And he said, peaceably, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. 
Sanctify yourselves and come with me to the sacrifice. Then he consecrated Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. So it was, when they came and he looked at Eliab, he said, Surely the Lord's anointed is before him. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look at his appearance or at the height of his stature, because I have refused him. For the Lord does not see as a man sees, for man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. So Jesse called Abinadab and made him pass before Samuel. And he said, Neither has the Lord chosen this one. Then Jesse made Shammah pass by, and he said, Neither has the Lord chosen this one. Thus Jesse had seven of his sons pass before Samuel. And Samuel said to Jesse, The Lord has not chosen these. And Samuel said to Jesse, Are all the young men here? Then he said, There remains yet the youngest. And there he is, keeping the sheep. And Samuel said to Jesse, Send and bring him, for we will not sit down till he comes here. So he sent and brought him in. Now he was ruddy, with bright eyes and good-looking. And the Lord said, Arise, anoint him, for this is the one. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. So Samuel arose and went to Ramah. It began just like any ordinary day. But it was a day that changed everything. David may have been 12, 13 years old at this time. How many 12 or 13-year-olds do we have here close to it? Okay, yeah, a couple. Imagine this happening, huh? Scripture doesn't say how old he was, but he definitely was pretty young. And Samuel arose and went to the town of Ramah. And David apparently went back to taking care of his sheep. Now, at this point, David already knew the Lord. But this had been the day that David was called into the service of the Lord. And it says that the Holy Spirit came upon him, not for salvation, but for service. He was anointed as king. It was a day that changed everything. It was a day that David was called into service. Maybe you've experienced a day like that. A day that changed everything. A day when you were called into the service of the Lord. Oftentimes, <clears throat> there is no fanfare. There are no fireworks. There is no trumpet blast. It seems like the call of God often comes just like any ordinary day. The year was 1959 and it was an ordinary day. An ordinary conversation took place between a lady, a young lady, and her soon-to-be brother-in-law. She told him about an opportunity that, um, to hold a Sunday school class at a local children's hospital. And the ho local children's hospital catered to children who were disabled, who had sicknesses and illnesses that um, uh, some of them were, were very crippling. She said that the man in charge of the Sunday school was sick and in a hospital. And she says, why don't you come out on Sunday, see if you'd like to help. It was just an ordinary day, but it was the day that would change everything. For Arden, you know the story probably, my dad, went that first Sunday, and he has continued to go Sunday after Sunday for over 50 years. 
to that children's hospital. No fanfare, no trumpets, no fireworks, but hundreds of children, many of whom were abandoned by their parents, have heard the gospel. But what if he had said on that day, you know what, I'm too busy. Or what if he had given some other excuse? Please have me excused, for I have to go and buy a piece of land. Please have me excused, for I have to go and bury my father. Please have me excused. You see, I've got places to go and things to do. Perhaps God has already called you, but you have excused yourself from the service of the Lord. Had he done so, who would have reached those hundreds of children? over the last 50 years. It began like just an ordinary day. But it would be no ordinary day. In 1997, my mom, Jean Robertson, I, you know, it's the only time I get to embarrass you, okay? So she was working at uh, as an admitting clerk in the Vancouver General Hospital. And uh, a Christian nurse whose name was Olive Armstrong uh, worked at another hospital in town called Shaughnessy Hospital. Olive asked my mom one day, she said, have you ever processed um, uh, an admission to the Vancouver General Hospital for a man named John Zona? And mom said, no, who is he? And she said, well, John is a prisoner. And uh, he was taken to Shaughnessy Hospital recently, and I was his nurse and uh, had opportunity to share the gospel with him to a certain degree and wondered whatever happened to him. Just a little bit of information, just a faceless name, just a little detail. It was just like any ordinary day. But 10 months later, a prisoner came in, shackled to a police officer into the Vancouver General Hospital. He needed medical attention. He needed to be admitted to the hospital and it was during mom's shift. And uh, the prisoner, as she asked him questions, he was very rude. He was obnoxious. He was gruff. I met the man. I can attest to that. And uh, he said, she said, what is your name? He says, my name is John Zona. The name sounded familiar. Couldn't, put, uh, couldn't connect it quite there. But after the admission was completed, she remembered that Olive had told her about a man, a prisoner, who had uh, been attended to by her in the other hospital. And Mom wondered if this was the man. So she called Olive and said, would this possibly be the man that you were talking about? She says, yeah, that's the man. And so Olive came, and after permission was given to her, she came and she visited him in the hospital. And she told Mom after that visit, hey, he'd like to have a Bible. So Mom said, no problem. I'll get him a Bible. Gave him a Bible the next day. And after she gave him a Bible, the man said, hey, sit down right here. I want to talk to you. And so she sat down in the room and he said, you know, what I'd really like is to have a Bible study. Any chance that uh, you could come out to prison after I get out of this place and uh, have a Bible study? Just meet with me. Well, she had never done anything like that before. How often do you get a request like that? And so she and dad began to go <clears throat> visiting John week after week at the, at the prison where he was. 2009 marks 30 years of weekly 
um, chapel services at uh, prisons in Vancouver. They, they go to three different prisons. They've spent 30 years at, um, um, help me out here, what's the name of it again? Mission Institution. It's a medium security prison in uh, the Vancouver area. 30 years. So dad spent 50 years at the Children's Hospital, 30 years at uh, Mission, and all of this took place after I left. So I'm t- I-, I was 20 when I left. So that makes him about 100, I think. You know, if my math is right. So they go out every week and visit. Think of the effect that their lives have had on thousands of prisoners over the years. But what if on that day, Mom had said, oh, that's an interesting story about a guy and just put it out and never remembered. What if she didn't get that Bible? What if she didn't say just sit down that day and talk with him what if when he asked him asked her if she would come out and they would come out to have bible study they said you know what i haven't got time for this sort of thing you know what i've got a busy life before me but thousands of prisoners have heard the gospel as a result it was a day just like any ordinary day but it was a day that changed things forever began like any ordinary any other day any ordinary day but it would be no ordinary day. I was overseas for three months in 1979 uh, with Bill McDonald, Paul and Helen um, Flint from Emmaus, and my roommate Steve Hahn. We traveled to 13 countries in three months, and we were visiting missionaries. We were serving any way we could, ministering the word and ministering practically to um, to people all over Europe. We uh, lived pretty simply. We would sleep in tents at night. We would find an open field somewhere and we'd pitch a tent and we would sleep. And in the morning we'd have a breakfast of, you know, that really long French bread. What did they call it? Baguettes, you know. Baguettes and butter. That was our breakfast for 30, uh, I'm sorry, for three months, 90 days or more. Um, That is a way to lose weight, by the way. (laughs) Yeah. One night... We stayed with missionaries in France, um, Mert and Evelyn Walcott, and we pitched a tent in the open field behind their home. And uh, we had three tents. Um, I slept in the tent that night with Bill, and then Steve had his own tent, and Paul and Helen had their tent. And as I climbed to the tent, Bill and I chatted before falling asleep, and he said, would you ever consider coming down to California and, and working with us in the DITP? kind of stunned me and i told him that i'd have to speak to my elders and and that and and i said i'd count it a real honor you know it says in our passage this morning so samuel arose and went to rama after he anointed david and all that but in my case i could say so bill rolled over and went to sleep (laughs) and i lay awake in the tent all night long wondering what what in the world the lord had in store for me And this summer marks the 30th year since I was asked that question. 30 years. It was a day just like any ordinary day. But it was a day that changed my life forever as well. It's a call to service, really. Today is just an ordinary day. It's a day, it's a Sunday like any other Sunday that you've experienced. But today the Lord may be calling you. Calling you as he did his disciples. Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Or of Peter, feed my sheep. 
take care of my lambs. Today may have started as an ordinary day, but it may be a day that changes your life forever. So once God called David to serve him, to be the new king of Israel, then what happened? David went back to his sheep. And it may have been years uh, before the Lord started to move him toward the throne. But I do know this. David was humbled by um, by the anointing of, of the Lord. Listen to what he wrote. How did this song make you feel, the music? Hmm? Odd. 
Odd, ODD? Oh. <laughs> the, the music, yeah. Just the music part of it. This restful, calm, peaceful. That's exactly what people say when they hear that. Um, we chose that partly because of the, the music, because of the skillfulness of the artist who played it. Um, it gave you that feeling of calm, okay? It's exactly what David did later in his life when he, when he went to, uh, uh, we'll look at that later, but when he went to Saul to calm him up from the troubled spirit that he had. But uh, I, I love the psalm. It tells me something about David's character. It tells me something about the way David thought about God and thought about himself. And I can imagine after being anointed with oil and being told that he was going to be the next ruler over Israel, going back to the sheepfold and saying, Lord, <laughs> how majestic is your name? How awesome you are, Lord. Imagine that you would take thought of me. It tells me something about the humility of David after being um, chosen by the Lord to do this. What is man that you are mindful of him and the son of man that you visit him? Meanwhile, back on the throne, we see Saul. The Bible tells us that the Holy Spirit departed from Saul. God's stamp of approval on his life and ministry was over. Now, he would still carry on as king for another 18 years. But as far as the stamp of approval of God, it was done. It was over. 1 Samuel chapter 16. Let's take a look, uh, beginning with verse 14. 1 Samuel 16, 14. But the Spirit of the Lord departed from Saul, and a distressing spirit from the Lord troubled him. And Saul's servants said to him, Surely a distressing spirit from God is troubling you. Let our master now command your servants who are before you to seek out a man who is a skillful player on the harp, and it shall be that he will play with um, his hand when the distressing spirit from God is upon you, and you shall be well. So Saul said to his servants, Provide me now a man who can play well and bring him to me. Then one of the servants answered and said, Look, I have seen a son of Jesse, the Bethlehemite, who is skillful in playing, a mighty man of valor, a man of war, prudent in speech, and a handsome person, and most importantly, and the Lord is with him. Therefore Saul sent some messengers to Jesse and said, Send me your son David, who is with the sheep. And Jesse took a donkey loaded with bread, a skin of wine, a young goat, and sent them by his son David to, uh, to Saul. So David came to Saul and stood before him, and he loved him greatly, and he became his armor-bearer. Then Saul sent to Jesse, saying, Please let David stand before me, for he has found favor in my sight. And so it was, whenever the Spirit from God was upon Saul, that David would take a harp and play it with his hand. Then Saul would become refreshed and well, and the distressing spirit would depart from him. So David's skill in playing and singing brought him before kings, the king. Saul employed him at times as his armor-bearer as well. And as one of Saul's servants uh, said about David, the Lord is with him. Now, it's apparent from the rest of the, the Scripture that David did not stay here permanently, but he would come and he would go. He would come when Saul was troubled. He would play his instrument 
Saul would be, be soothed by it. He would be calmed. Uh, David would spend some time in the palace, if you will. And then later he would go back and take care of his father's sheep. So he was really going back and forth between um, Saul and uh, the sheep. When Saul became better... David would go back to caring for his sheep. And it, it apparently, it goes on for several years. Sometimes when we read the scripture, we read an event, and there's another event right after it in the very next verse. But in between those two verses after the period, there's oftentimes a period of years that goes by. And you have to kind of look for those clues. And that's the case here. Years uh, go by. If David was 13, 14, 15, somewhere in that neighborhood, um, there are several years that, that, that go on here um, uh, of these events. Now, while David cared for the flock, the Lord trained him in shepherding, in being a leader, in being one who uh, uh, grew in, in uh, compassion and mercy and tenderness and so on. His care for the sheep was tested. So we, we read that, too, in, in 1 Samuel 17. Let's turn there for just a moment. 1 I often think when I read this passage, what kind of a shepherd would I be, you know, in a case like this? What kind of a shepherd would I be? Uh, David was saying to Saul one day, Your servant used to keep his father's sheep. And when a lion or a bear came and took a lamb out of the flock, I went out after it (laughs) most of us would see that and go and i went the other way and i went out after it and struck it and delivered the lamb from its mouth and when it arose against me i caught it by its beard and struck and killed it your servant has killed both lion and bear david's character taking care of the sheep was tested Justice cried out for punishment. And as the one who was in charge of justice in that sheep, uh, with, among the sheep, he executed judgment against the bear and against the lion. And mercy and grace cried out to save the sheep. And David exhibited those character traits as well. We've said this before. You've heard it before. It was training time for reigning time. That's what was happening out with the sheep now we're going to see in in the next few weeks that when god calls you into service whether it's teaching a sunday school class or visiting the sick whether it's preaching or leading singing playing the piano whatever the service happens to be you can expect that when god calls you to service you can expect to be tested you can expect trials you can expect difficulties But this is how God causes us to grow in character. Our character is formed by our relationship with the Lord. And so when trials come our way, when difficulties come our way, it will either drive you from the Lord or it will drive you to your knees and drive you to the Lord. And the the whole purpose of, of why God allows testing and trials to come our way is that we might be driven to the Lord grow in character that we might see that his sufficiency is all we need he is sufficient for all things and everything that comes our way at this point in our story david has probably reached the grand old age of 17 
but he won't ascend to the throne for another 13 years. So God is going to give him a period of time uh, of testing and trials for 13 more years before he ascends to the throne. David is about to go through a period of severe testing, severe training, training for reigning. Back in the 1970s, there was a man named Andre Crouch. Um, most of you probably have never heard of him. He was a gospel singer. He had gone through some severe personal trials and physical trials, and he wrote a song called Through It All. And it says this, I've had many tears and sorrows. I've had questions for tomorrow. There have been times I didn't know right from wrong. But in every situation, God gave me blessed consolation, so my trials come to only make me strong. Really strong in the Lord is what he was talking about. Through it all, through it all, I've learned to trust in Jesus. I've learned to trust in God. Through it all, through it all, I've learned to depend upon his word. And what his word tells us about his character and his ability, he was able to trust him for that. And so then he said, I thank God for the mountains and I thank God for the valleys. I thank him for the storms he brought me through. For if I'd never had a problem, I wouldn't know God could solve it. You ever been there? I'd never know what faith in God could do. You know, we learn about God by reading about him in the scripture. We learn about his character by reading about it in the scripture. But we learn about it personally when we experience trials and difficulties. And then all of a sudden the scripture comes alive to us. I've, I've said this before, that in the depths of a trial, that, depths of trials that I've gone through in my own life, I've seen passages in the Psalms that were not there before. Okay? At least I never noticed them before. And you go to those psalms and you say, Lord, you've already answered the questions. You've already answered the issues. And you're sufficient for all. It began like any other day. But this would be no ordinary day. For this day, David would understand something about God's character that would change his life forever. And as he went out back to the sheep this day, whatever day it was, I'm not sure, he would pen one of the most famous passages in all of Scripture. He considered his job as a shepherd caring for the sheep. And suddenly, at some point in his life, he recognized that the Lord cared for him just like he cared for the sheep. His life, in a sense, was a reflection of God's care for him. And in this psalm, we learn about God's uh, about David's character as a shepherd. But in this psalm we also see the character of God in his care for us. So let's some of you remember Keith Green and uh, a song that he wrote about the 23rd Psalm. So if you know it, sing along with it, okay? Still waters, here 
The Lord is my shepherd, he writes, I shall not want every need supplied. We learn something about David's trust in God here. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He is saying, Lord, you're the one who supplies all of my needs, all of my necessities, whether it's food, shelter, clothing. It tells me that David is trusting the Lord for his daily provision. He restores my soul, every spiritual need supplied. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. God, I trust you to give me direction. The heart of man plans his ways, but it is the Lord who directs his steps. And Lord, I'm going to trust you for whatever that direction is. But I know that whatever direction it is, it will be in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Freedom from fear. Bill used to say we are immortal until our work is done. I like that. We are immortal until our work is done. For you are with me, his presence with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. His hand of correction on my seat of learning. Okay, that's necessary. Are you, do you accept it? Okay. 
It's important. They comfort me, it says. How is that comforting that the Lord should discipline us? Tells us we're his children. <laughs> That's comforting. Tells us he, want, he loves us enough to, to correct us, to change us. And the staff to deliver me from evil. You prepare a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. There was a, a book written years ago. It's a daily devotional, Streams in the Desert. Some of you probably have it. I love the title of that. Um, but it refers back to you know the, the wandering of the children of Israel in the in the wilderness through the desert, and God provided them with manna every morning and stream or a stream of water from a rock. Streams in the desert, manna in the wilderness, protection from all who harm us. The Bible tells us this, and we're going to look at trials more uh, next week and the weeks to come. The Bible tells us this: that God does not allow us to be tested beyond what we are able. It's important for us to know that. It's important for us to believe that. So that we, when we are in a, uh, an ordeal that seems like it is overwhelming to us, remember that God will not allow us to be tested beyond what we are able. But with the temptation or with the testing, he will provide a way of escape that we may be able to endure it. You anoint my head with oil. David was literally anointed with oil for service uh, for the Lord. My cup runs over, nothing lacking in all that we need. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Okay? Oftentimes, Christians are accused of being kind of pie in the sky, you know, future rewards, future heaven, blessings down the way. That's not what it says here. It does say it, but it's later. It says... Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Both. He satisfies, we we receive blessings from him not only in this life, but also in the life to come. This is a promise also of uh, eternity with him. Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you. That where I am, there you may be also. There's nothing left. All needs have been supplied. All needs have been met. David will see over and over again that this psalm is absolutely true. And as we look next week at one of the first significant uh, tests um, as king, if you will, we'll see that this trust that he had in God will see him through the tests and the trials that he will go through over Uh, the next 13 years of his life. David's unyielding faith and trust in God. Well, today began like any ordinary day. But this may be a day (laughs) that changes your life forever. If you're not a believer this morning, the Bible says today is the day of salvation. That will change your life forever. But if you're a believer this morning, that's really who we've been focusing on. This day could be a day that God calls you. And so I ask you a question. Are you watching Are you listening for the voice of the Lord, our shepherd, to say to you, come, follow me. And if he says that to you on an ordinary day, will you with complete abandonment make it a day like no ordinary day? Let's pray. Lord, as we come before you, we thank you for your great love for us. We also realize, Lord, that you saved us not only um, to take us home to be with you in heaven. Had you desired that, you would have taken us the moment we trusted you. 
uh, on the day we trusted you, but you've left us on earth to serve you. And Lord, we, we thank you for that. And we just pray that you might, even this day, touch the lives of each one here today. Call them into your service. Call them into to serve you in some capacity, in some way. And that this day might be like no ordinary day in their lives. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.